0: We are the narrators three. Elisa, Lynn, and Chell. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where every plot device comes with a price. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 1, Episode 12, Skin Deep. Also known as, Are You Ready to Rumble? (laughs) The original air date for this episode was February 12, 2012. The writer was Jane Espenson. The director is Milan Cheblov. His directing credits include Scorpion, Bones, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., 24, Earth Final Conflict, an episode of Dexter called Beauty and the Beast, which you will find ironic soon enough, and four more episodes of Once Upon a Time. The title card features Rumpelstiltskin's spinning wheel. We open in the enchanted forest on a dove flying towards a castle with the blood red sky looming in the distance. Inside a once lavish grand ballroom turned makeshift war room, the middle-aged lord of the castle, Sir Maurice, leans heavily on an open map as a military advisor reads a message from the battlefield. Avonlea has fallen. A young knight laments, if only he had come. The frustrated Maurice declares, ogres are not men and are unstoppable. So this scene was originally longer, with more dialogue between Maurice and his military advisor, Philippe and Gaston. In it, it is revealed that the ogres killed everyone in Avonlea, which is a two days ride from the seaside castle where they are now. Gaston blusters on about killing all the ogres and everyone is like, oh my god, shut the fuck down.
1: What we do see of Gaston in this scene, he's just like a normal dude in this version and you feel kind of bad for him. He's just like this unassuming dude. (laughs) I
2: mean... It is nice that they upgraded everyone from being peasants though, because Belle and Maurice are poor as hell in the Disney movie.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's really interesting that Belle is born a princess in Once Upon a Time because like in most Beauty and the Beast tales, like not even just Disney, like most of the like other fairy tales, like she's not royalty. So I wonder why they decided to go this route for for her in this. Yeah, she's she's not
0: a princess in this one. She's She's just like a noble woman.
2: But she is well off. She is definitely well off. Yeah, I don't deny that. Yeah. Because um, in pretty much every other adaptation, it's like her dad's like, we fuck poor and I need to go to the market and then this bad stuff happens to me.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm a kooky <laughs> dude. Yeah, it's kind of like that.
2: I'm sorry we so poor. I'm going to try and fix it. ruh row monster got me.
0: Oh, I, I do. I, I, picked a rose do. For you. <laughs> I picked a rose for you. <laughs> oh, I
2: picked a rose for you. I picked a flower from the oh, monster's no. garden. He got real mad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do have to say okay no offense to the actor who does play Gaston right like no no shade towards him but he he does not look like what a Gaston should look
2: like oh no he doesn't at all he no, no he doesn't do. he's not he's just he's just like here's a guy
0: here's a guy he'd here's
2: work a in a grocery
1: store we don't like, know I, we I, renewed for sure. season two
2: <laughs> I'm pretty sure the first time I watched this episode and they were like not now Gaston I was like I'm fucking sorry that's Gaston <laughs>
0: yeah me too (laughs) like she is very obviously like there's a visual indicator
2: this is (laughs) bell this man can bench no one (laughs) yeah no this guy
0: i i i can assure you that every last inch of him is not covered in hair
2: i mean does he look like he can lift a bench full of three women over his head while singing no 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 he does not
0: and i i doubt he eats five dozen raw eggs
2: too i feel lied too
0: Maurice's daughter, Belle, tries to reassure him about this mysterious figure's pending arrival, suggesting he could be on his way right now. Maurice believes it is too late when suddenly a knock echoes through the council room. When the sentries unbar and open the door, however, no one is there. A tense moment passes before the familiar mocking lit says from within the chamber, well, that was a bit of a letdown. They turn and we see Rumpelstiltskin sitting on Maurice's chair. The arrogant young knight, Gaston, draws his sword as Rumplestiltskin notes he received their message, pleading for his help. Rumpel casually slaps away Gaston's sword. Right here is a, also another small scene that they cut, which I think was a woeful mistake. So Stiltskin casually saunters over to the table and picks up a book, prompting Belle to kind of step forward because it's hers. They weren't committed to showing the title, but it's her favorite book, and we do see her clutching it in some shots especially the earliest ones of that first scene. It's her favorite book called Her Handsome Hero. Rumpelstiltskin casually mentions that ogres are only fun in adventure stories, but in reality, they rip off your legs. Belle then asks him if he has ever faced them before, and that's when he looks at her intrigued and notices her for the very first time. He hints that he may have been in the Ogre's War before addressing the main group in the line we get in the aired scene, affirming that he can protect Maurice's little town for a price. Oh, Maurice. that's interesting. Yeah. They I think they should, they should have kept that because, as your inquiry later in our notes goes, you know, like, why did he want Belle? I think the fact that, like, she, they initially had her initiating conversation with him. And being intrigued by him and curious, because it does say in the script very blatantly that she's unafraid.
1: Like you know, definitely mistake to cut that. That that I think adds to the scene and story a lot. Actually, it adds a lot of layers that
0: we have to now fill in with our very wicked imaginations. (laughs) Oh no, I'm sorry, I have self control. I promise. (laughs) Don't lie to me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to be professional. Maurice reminds the sorcerer that he sent a promise of gold, to which Rumpelstiltskin reminds the misguided lord that he makes gold and wishes for something more special. Her, he says, indicating Belle. Maurice immediately refuses with Gaston blustering, adding on that he and the young lady are engaged. Rumpelstiltskin titters at their, at their ire, proclaiming that he is not looking for live. Insert Morgan Freeman narration here. That was the moment fate decided to fuck this boy up. Rumpelstiltskin explains that he wants a caretaker for his, and I quote, rather large estate. I bet you do. Wow. Hoo oh boy, is that what the lads are calling it these days? Wowzer, can't believe that one got by the sensors. So again, a bit more dialogue happens as Rumpelstiltskin tries to reason with Maurice, saying either he will take Belle or the ogres will. Maurice thinks he knows what he's facing with the ogres and has a chance, despite Rumpelstiltskin insisting that, no, you dumbass, you have absolutely no chance with the ogres. It's her or no deal, says Rumpelstiltskin. Maurice orders Rumpel out. As the sorcerer turns to leave, Belle volunteers as tribute, despite Gaston and Maurice's loud, obnoxious, and controlling objections. Rumpel warns Belle that it's forever, dearie. She gives him her word in exchange for his word on the guaranteed survival of her family and friends. Maurice pleads with his daughter not to go. You can't go with this beast, he says, prompting the most gift image of a comically wounded Rumpelstiltskin. But Belle says it has been decided. Rumpelstiltskin
1: agrees, and cockily ushers out his new girlfriend. I mean, maid. (laughs) But what I want to know is, why does he initially want Belle? Because without that scene you said that was coming before. like, there's no setup. And I know why Chell says that he wants Belle, but, like, but on the grass, like, why? Like, is it to take care of his millions of stolen babies?
2: He does have a whole
1: room full of them.
0: <laughs> so at a convention, um a fan did ask this to Robert Carlyle, and he says that he had a theory that rumpelstiltskin had spied her beforehand and vowed to have her one day, like one day she will be mine. But Emily was like, "Oh, that's not creepy at all." So I think she kind of shot that down.
1: Yeah, that because it is creepy.
0: <laughs> it is. That's yeah. very creepy. Yeah, I I'm going with the cutscene. Like that's going to be my head canon from now on because it is. That technically can and it just you know fell on the cutting room floor
1: oh, which is something we've talked about the, the enchanted forest scenes before is they leave a little too much blanks for us to fill in
0: yeah like like things that i'm like mm, no you shouldn't be vague here yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> flash forward to Storybrook the day before valentine's day mr golden his assistant the dove confront local florist mo french the cursed version of sir maurice who is behind on his loan payment Mr. Dove seizes the flower delivery van. Regina sees it all and wants to chat with Mr. Gold. He tries to brush her off, but she is insistent, prompting Mr. Gold to utilize Rumpelstiltson's caveat, please. Immobilized by their terms, Regina can only stand there as Mr. Gold continues on his way.
2: Can we talk about how in a show where they go out of their way to make everyone have clever names that loop into their character, Maurice's last name is French, like Wow.
0: Yeah, I, I think it should have been like Fleur or Rose. Literally.
2: Other than, yeah, I don't I know, they're from French. France. Let's name them French. Oh, like, I'm choice. sorry, that's just some of the laciest horseshit. shit. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I do enjoy Mr. Gold rocking those like John Lennon shades. He's like, I'm off to commit some murders.
0: <laughs> well, And again, this is like another cutscene that we see before they actually get to Mo, like, you know, trying to collect on him. No uh, they French. showed. <laughs> mo french um it's just the it's just, it sounds like a guy richie like
2: gangster it, it does gangster yeah. name right me, mo french yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's a soccer hooligan <laughs> <face. laughs> see then i'd accept it but it's just like you- oh my god
0: <laughs> yeah yeah no it doesn't work for an australian who's immigrated to bumblefuck maine <laughs>
2: it's show, like, So goes out of its way to be like we gave carefully chosen names that tie into their fairy tale persona and this one they just kind of gave up. Yeah
0: I, I know like, I agree I, I think it should have been France. Fleur. I think Fleur would have been really nice because that, that's Fleur a would have been
2: nice. A lot of other things would have yeah. been nice instead of just being like IDK France. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway as I was saying this
0: is actually rent day. So it shows him and Dove, like, collecting, like, Grant from Granny's Diner and the rabbit hole and, like, everywhere. So he's, like, on his way to, like, go collect more rent, which is
1: why not murder sunglasses on.
0: Right, so that's why the murder sunglasses are on, exactly. (laughs) Meanwhile, at Granny's Diner, David and Mary Margaret chat over separate tables at the diner. Ruby offers to push their tables together, but they quickly rebuke her offer, claiming, Oh, no, we're not together. You two aren't fooling Ruby. Or
1: anyone. Shut up.
2: Yeah, no, R- Ruby isn't buying that bullshit for like a single minute.
1: Ruby is so cute. And I need to point this out every episode she's in. I just oh, thought that was important to mention. Is super
2: cute. It's That's so cute.
1: important. Emma
0: arrives and gets the report from Mary Margaret that Henry is fine, as Emma is still not allowed to see him.
1: Emma just sits down and immediately starts eating Mary Margaret's fries. Just, just immediately. She doesn't have tact. We know this about her. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: love that Emma's like, oh so he's happy and Mary Margaret just wants to appease her and is like yeah then realizes the implication
2: <laughs> no 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 he misses you so much so oh, Emma's
1: sad little face was so cute and then like Mary's like no 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 no, no don't be sad no be sad Emma
2: <laughs> Mary Margaret's okay. too good for this place Emma's puppy dog eyes
0: I know so Henry definitely gets it from her oh
2: absolutely <laughs> and
0: she definitely gets it from mary margaret (laughs) yeah (laughs) ashley shows up with baby alexandra sean her boyfriend has been working double shifts at the cannery and could not get valentine's
1: day off that's rough buddy
2: also wow ashley just kind of invites herself to mary margaret's table which is you know fun
1: if memory serves i think this is our last ashley episode i don't think they ever bring her back after this i think this this is her only other appearance
2: oh don't make me promises
1: that you can't keep
2: (laughs) i was gonna say i i'm gonna be i'm gonna be sad if you're lying to me
1: (laughs) i i think it's either this or she has like a silent appearance in like the finale okay but i think this is like the only other episode she has you know more than 30 seconds of screen time this woman exhausts me that's what i have to say about her <laughs> yeah exhausts me.
0: yeah overhearing ruby invites the whole group out for a girls night but no one seems interested emma then gets a call from the station who the fuck is calling her isn't she a one ha show i mean i guess it's a call forwarding system never mind i answered my own question carry on
2: <laughs> well and then she leaves and poor mary margaret just wants to be on her not date and now this woman and her infant are just here parked at her table and it's like well that's fantastic
0: yeah like you see her and david kind of like trying to like catch each other's eyes and then like mary margaret gets wrangled into like this girl's night out and he's just like oh i guess that's happening
2: there's like a look of palpable discomfort that passes between her and david as oh ashley just kind of wedges her way down at the table like oh i, I guess okay. whatever was happening is not going on anymore. This woman and her baby are here now. I guess that's, that's I guess okay. that's what we have to pay attention to now. No
1: more slide date.
2: Great. Yeah, reading
0: Anna Karenina, and I love that he's all like, I can't wait to see how
2: it ends. And I'm like, ooh. <laughs>
0: well, he's a dum dumb. He didn't know. <laughs> I know. I know. We next see Mr. Gold entering his large house, a lovely salmon-colored Queen Anne. The front door was left ajar. He draws a gun from Hammer Space or a vase or I don't fucking know. Actually, it was actually a false bottom of the drawer, but it you don't, it's not obvious. It's so it really looks, not. It it's not. Confused. It looks like it came from face.
2: <laughs> it's like he has no gun and then he has gun and we all He has gun. gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now there is gun, sure. Now there
0: is gun. And creeps to check out the place. It is filled with antiques. Emma shows up, gun drawn, and says a neighbor called and reported Mr. Gold's front door was open. Mr. Gold casually says he's been robbed. When Emma notes this seems to happen to him a lot, Mr. Gold admits that he is a difficult man to love.
1: Mr. Gold's house looks like a house that would belong to the murder of a week on Hannibal. Like that's where the murder took place?
2: No, that's where the murderer lives. The murderers always have real good houses. Real good
1: houses, real, real fancy, interesting houses. Isn't Hannibal the murderer?
2: He also has a beautiful house. He has a
1: beautiful house, but there's other murderers on Hannibal there's like oh. the murder there's like the murder of the week and then an oh. the animal in the background murdering
2: yeah. all over the place being like i totally don't murder and eat people i'm just here to help you will i'm, I'm here to help you on these
1: cases i can help you solve these murders <laughs> i am
2: but a humble psychiatrist and totally don't have ulterior motives towards you
0: <laughs> yeah i quit that show hard because it was too gory <laughs> i could not crazy. believe that they got away with other all the things that they got away
1: with on network television Oh yeah. it was
2: impressive. Honestly,
1: it's definitely I feel like the most goriest TV show I've ever watched. Yeah,
2: it yeah. isn't the goriest TV show I've ever watched, but it's the goriest TV show I've ever watched that was on network television. Yeah, so I've definitely watched gorier that were like you know like Showtime or HBO or something. It was just but it was like,
1: just NBC. Go nuts. Nothing nothing fancy. Not even mm-hmm. like an AMC or something. Yeah. Yeah. We
0: quickly cut to the Enchanted Forest of the Past, where Rumplestiltskin is leading Belle through his castle, taking her to her quote unquote, room, a dungeon. He locks her in and gleefully walks away as Belle confusedly bangs on the door from inside her cell.
1: He is so fucking proud of himself after he throws Belle into the dungeon. He's just like, ha, I did so good. It's really funny. We then see an exterior shot of the dark castle, remote
0: and nestled among snow-capped mountain peaks. A sweeping shot of the grand room shows some of his prized items, the golden fleece, Geppetto's cursed marionette
2: parents. <laughs> I, for one, I'm glad we get to see those fucking awful things again.
0: A severed hand and a spinning wheel on a small dais. As Belle carries a tea tray, Rumpelstiltskin informs Belle about her duties. Serve him his meals, clean the dirt castle, dust the collection, laundry, and fetch fresh straw when he is spinning at the wheel. Oh, and skin the children that he hunts for their pelts. Alarmed, Belle drops a teacup. He says this was just a quip. Relieved, Belle bends to retrieve the cup, but finds it chipped. He doesn't care, saying, it's just a cup. According to the script, there's been a week between the time that Rumpelstiltskin threw Belle into the dungeon to the time that she's serving him tea for the first time. She also tries to escape, and there's like this gag of her bolting out of a door only to find herself back in the same room. I'm actually glad that they cut that because it really diminishes Belle's bravery and honoring her word.
2: The fact that it's supposed to have be been an entire week makes my next point, I feel like, even worse because all I could think was, please give this girl some different clothes to do housework in. No one should have to do all this in a ball gown.
1: I know. Seriously, she has to be so uncomfortable. This poor girl. It's she's been a be- real long time since Rumpelstiltskin
2: yeah.
0: entertained, like, sleepover guests.
2: <laughs> but she's she's wearing a floor-length ball gown. She's definitely got, like, a whalebone corset situation yeah, going. they're
1: boning in that thing.
2: And he's like, do the thing. And it's like, no, give her new clothes. In Storybrook,
0: Mr. Gold wants Emma to leave, but she needs to know more. Upon the threat of his own arrest for obstruction of justice, Mr. Gold tells her the thief was the florist whose van he just seized because Mo defaulted on his loan. Emma goes to pick up Mo for questioning when Mr. Gold foolishly opens his mouth and says, sure, if he doesn't find him first, because <laughs> bad things tend to happen to bad people. Cautious, Emma wonders if that was a threat, but Mr. Gold insists it is merely an observation. Gold, you idiot, you know better than to say anything damning in front of the 5-0. Your emotions are getting the better of you, and you want to commiserate with the one person in town that you respect, but she isn't on your side yet. Get a hold of yourself, man. That's all I have to say about this. (laughs) Back at the Dark Castle, some weeks have passed since Belle first arrived. Now dressed in a simple and perfectly lovely peasant dress, reminiscent of her blue and white garb from the 1992 film.
2: Thank you for listening to me and letting her change clothes. I love
1: this dress.
0: Yeah, I am I am so into it. I really, really love the eyelet work on yeah. the uh, collar. Belle is on a ladder in the great room trying to pull back the drapes while Rumpelstiltskin is at his spinning wheel. Belle pauses to inquire why he spins so much, to which Rumpelstiltskin replies that it helps him forget. When she asks what he's trying to forget, he pauses as if trying to remember before saying with a giggle, oh, it must have worked. Belle laughs at his really bad dad joke before turning back to her drapes. Finally noticing her, Rumpelstiltskin gets up and asks what she is doing. Frustrated at the stubborn drapes, Belle explains she's trying to let in some light. What did you do, nail them shut? Yeah, Rumpelstiltskin says simply. Giving a mighty tug, Belle is victorious as the drape comes down, only to fall with it. Rumpelstiltskin catches her, thus launching a fleet of shippers that have been happily sailing the SS Rumble for the last nine years. Ahoy, mateys! <clears throat> Belle and Rumpelstiltskin gaze at one another in the iconic reminiscence of the song There's Something There That Wasn't There Before, All la 1992 animated Beauty and the Beast film. Belle thanks him, snapping Rumpelstiltskin out of his daze as he quickly puts her down. She offers to hang the drapes back up, but he says there's no need. He'll get used to it. Confused at those tender little heartstrings plucking in his chest, Rumpelstiltskin walks away, leaving Belle in blushing wonderment. Ah, dramatic sigh. I love them. I love them so much. Emily de Robin has gone on record saying that Belle fell very hard and very quickly for Rumpelstiltskin. Being an idiot, of course, Rumpelstiltskin took the high road to get there.
1: Belle is learning that any place can be home. Stockholm! <laughs> I can't take credit for that joke, but I couldn't also not say it because no Beauty and the Beast story is is complete without it because it, it's just... Oh, no, it's true. Beauty and the Beast yeah. is Stockholm Syndrome, the fairy tale. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, Emily Turavan has been asked this, and she adamantly denies it.
2: <laughs> well, I'm going with her.
0: She's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> station emma's old desk is littered with stolen items covered from mo's place emma's all you're welcome and i'm like for what emma doing your job girl regina is a bad influence on
2: you she just wants validation (laughs) mr gold carefully looks over the items but
0: is seething to discover that there is still an item missing emma says she'll get it when she finds mo and mr gold says not if i find him first
2: and Emma has like the best, okay, you cryptic bastard look on her face when he does it. And it's hysterical. I do like
0: that, you know, she is just kind of like, ta-da! And yeah, you're right. She's, she's looking she's for so validation. She's herself. so proud of herself. And I was like, there was the olive branch. All you had to do was reach it. You've been you've been wanting it's this true. fucking olive branch forever. And here it is, but you are emotionally compromised and you can't take it because you're distracted, you dumbass.
2: It's true because she basically is like look adopted dad I did good are you proud of me and he's just like <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> you too then I guess. <laughs> yeah. Returning to the dark
0: castle where many months have now passed since Belle first arrived the great room is light and airy as all of the drapes are now gone. Rumpelstiltskin is taking tea in his chipped cup and definitely not staring curiously at his little maid who is acting weird and trying to get closer to him and why are you getting near me like that what is that coy sparkle in your eye bell he backs away relieved to see that she just sits top the table i love that he is totally scared shitless of her proximity to him now and backs away as she gets nearer to him also that knowing glint in her eye is mm, chef's kiss these two have more chemistry cooking than a thriving meth lab. Originally, this scene started with Rumpelstiltskin at his spinning wheel, and Belle was drinking out of the chipped cup. They talked about the golden fleece of one of his items in the, on a pedestal, which Belle thinks is a fake. It would have been nice for them to start with a more casual conversation to show their rapport, but I'm not mad how
1: this scene came out ultimately because they're so fucking adorable. I really like Rumpelstiltskin, like, waistcoat and puffy sleeves outfit in this scene, and for uh, many of the scenes that follow. I think it tells a really nice visual story that he's becoming more open and, and approachable to Belle, and I think it's a really nice look for their heart-to-hearts that follow, like this one and the ones that follow.
0: Yeah, it's it's very much an at-home look rather than, like, the dragon hide coat that he has with, like, the spikes and stuff. And yeah, it's the- less
1: putting on a performance as the dark one.
0: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Belle asks why Rumpelstiltskin brought her here. He evasively replies that the place was
2: filthy. You're filthy, you blue bald wizard lizard. Belle I'll Spray you with a water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is so horny.
0: <laughs> I have news for you, my friend. It only gets hornier.
2: <laughs> oh, I know, because I've read ahead. <laughs>
0: Belle thinks that Rumpelstiltskin was lonely, as any man would be lonely. Rumpelstiltskin briefly contemplates her assessment before grumbling that he isn't a man. Woe is me! I am monster. Pretty girl flirting with me, and I don't even know it! As she has had time to look around the castle, Belle has noticed children's clothing in an upstairs chamber. She asks if there was a son. He says there was. I lost him, he says, as I did his mother. She muses that this means he was, in fact, an ordinary man once. She wants to get to know him, especially as she is never going to meet anyone else again. Pesky emotions rising in him, Rumpelstiltskin half-jokingly thinks that she's just trying to, quote, learn the monster's weakness. Refusing to be put off, Belle tells him he's not a monster and believes that he covers the mirrors because he thinks himself ugly. Rumpelstiltskin can only look at her in bewilderment. I love Belle. She is the perfect balance of sweet and sassy. She is his perfect match. Insert dreamy sigh right here in my filios. Also, when Belle talks about the mirrors being covered, there is an extension of this scene that they tragically cut. Belle gets up to whip off the curtain-covered full-length mirror in the corner of the room, but Rumpelstiltskin stops her, ending up pressed up against her back and they stay that way for a long beat and he inhales the scent of her hair. It is so hot. Thankfully there's a small clip of this cutscene which we'll link to via
1: social media so make sure you're following us on Tumblr and Twitter. The inhaling of hair just aligns with my theory that he is a Hannibal villain.
2: Uh (laughs) (laughs) It does. It does because Hannibal Hannibal does that <laughs> that exact thing he does it to Will but isn't he horny for Will yes he, he is horny for Will I mean yes. no it checks out he it uh, okay checks okay. out oh
1: okay. Yeah. okay okay
2: we're just yeah. you know we're just I, I didn't know your implication
0: here. was that Rumpelstiltson wanted to eat Belle no oh, no, no it's no, he, oh, no. he's, he's horny so. horny for her oh yeah okay. yeah, yeah, yeah definitely no, 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 the Will
2: total. Graham of this situation yeah <laughs> so
0: oh okay I get you okay I'm, I'm picking up what you are putting down. Also, I saw that so I saw the YouTube clip and one of the comments said they probably cut this because it was way too hot and this was way too early for it to be this hot for them. And I was like, you know, they're probably not wrong (laughs) because it really is like, wow
2: so well i mean we have discussed that there are times when once upon a time very much like wants to be like no we are a family show and other times they like weirdly walk back on that but mm-hmm. like there's other times when they're very or like no no this has to be family friendly and then they also so. have the scene with i guess real prince was replaced oh
1: yeah like, getting like impaled it's I'm like, like, yeah. the, like story impalement oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> that you've ever seen and it's like <laughs> you got yeah, that you was Game pick. of Thrones level impalement. Like... Mm-hmm.
1: It, you gotta pick. <laughs> <laughs> they're never gonna pick. They never gonna they, pick. They never oh, did. Okay. They never They never did.
2: do. They're all over the place.
1: They are interrupted by
0: a pounding on the outside door rather than a good pounding on that sturdy looking table. I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? <laughs> My lord. Anyway, it is Sir Gaston come to challenge the beast. But with the snap of his fingers, Rumpelstiltskin turns that arrogant clod into a rose.
2: I don't know, man. He's just kind of a dude in this version and like we never address the fact the can just basically straight up murders Gaston just like that and then we go back to like oh a touching scene with touching music i'm sorry there was just a murder
1: <laughs> yeah this poor dude was just trying to save his fiance. poor gaston
2: <laughs> kind of sad honestly
1: <laughs> they and like, that's the oh, thing
0: they oh. cut all of gaston's like really arrogant lines like he had some more lines and, and they he's were just
1: a normal dude and what was what left made it of it to the final
2: cut is he's just a guy yeah and you're just like i don't okay. understand didn't deserve any of this. <laughs> He's just a dude who was like, my girl ended up in a bad situation. I gotta go help. Oh, I'm dead.
0: Yeah. When he returns to the great room, Rumple offers the rose to Belle, saying it was from an old woman selling flowers. As Belle fetches a vase for her rose,
1: oh my god, she cuts the rose! She cuts it! There goes Gaston's shins! The horror! <laughs>
2: <laughs> she just mutilated it. Oh... oh is bad.
0: And yet I cannot be arse to care. <laughs> I'm cruel. Sorry. You're not going to sink my ship,
2: Gaston. Well, he can't. He's dead now.
1: <laughs> He's dead now. He was
2: just murdered.
1: And then his legs are chopped off.
2: <laughs> by his and he was posthumously mutilated. Rumble <laughs> Stiltskin
0: acknowledges the life she left behind and asks what made her choose to come with him heroism and sacrifice she says noting there are not a lot of opportunities for women and when Rumpelstiltskin showed up she seized her opportunity do the brave thing and bravery would follow she says although she had had hopes of seeing the world Belle is happy that she was at least able to save her village fooling absolutely no one in the audience watching these two fluffy idiots fall ass over tits for one another Rumpelstiltskin inquires about her fiancé which Bell admits was an arranged marriage and she never really cared for Gaston. She further elaborates, believing that love is layered, a mystery to be uncovered, and she could never give her heart to someone as superficial as Gaston. There, Rumple, she wasn't into him. Are you happy? I love that Belle is so delightfully clueless about Rumple's very transparent questioning. Like, their heads are so far up in the clouds that they're also craned up their butts a bit, too.
2: Boy, I guess it's good she didn't like care about Gaston at all because she totally just became an accessory to murder.
1: She unknowingly chopped him in half or like cut a fifth of him off.
2: This is a horror show. <laughs> This is a Hannibal <laughs> episode. I was just going to say, so it is a Hannibal episode. <laughs> this is a Hannibal episode.
1: <laughs> this is the so, secret pilot to Hannibal, uh, for those of you who didn't know.
2: They got the better graphics later as Hannibal went on.
1: So
0: originally, Belle begins the next scene with some dialogue about missing her father and him needing her because he isn't a young man anymore. And we're supposed to see Rumpelstiltskin getting punched in the feels. Okay, so pretend that happened. Here we go. Belle gently nudges Rumpelstiltskin about his son. Rumpelstiltskin makes her a deal. He tells her to go to town and fetch some straw, and when she returns, he will share his tale. Surprised that he would let her go, Belle asks if he trusts her to come back, to which he bittersweetly says no. He does not expect to ever see her again. It's Valentine's Day in Storybrooke, and Girl's Night is in full swing at an underground bar called The Rabbit Hole. Ashley is pounding back drinks, so we're obviously meant to disregard the fact that canon established her being 19 years of age in episode four, The Price of Gold.
2: It's story, Brooke. It's the wild fucking west here. Anything goes. Yeah, we
1: got a time bubble. We got a weather (laughs) bubble. We got a drinking age is whatever bubble. We've barely
2: got a legal system. Yeah.
0: Ruby checks out guys and urges Ashley to join, saying she's not married to Sean, and he's always working. I love that Ruby blows off Girls Night to go chat up some dudes.
1: She looks amazing in this scene. She is serving looks. I love it.
0: Yeah, that Such she's wearing look. this lovely tight red kind of slinky sheared number. It's nice.
2: It's very good.
0: Meanwhile, at Darkstar Pharmacy, Mr. Gold sees David at a store buying two Valentine's Day cards. God fucking damn it, David. Curse David, you fucking dick. David claims the two cards are for the same woman. He just couldn't decide which to choose. Disappointed Marge voice. Mr. Gold says he's fortunate to have someone who loves him, remarking, love is like a delicate flame, and once it's gone, it's gone forever. <laughs> I know that David is your defective bestie, but try a little harder, Mr. Gold. <laughs> That's pretty sad. Leaving David to contemplate his poor life choices, Mr. Gold makes his purchase, which includes rope and duct tape. We next see Mr. Gold driving a van with Mo bound in the back. You can tell that Mr. Gold is emotionally compromised because he's buying duct tape and rope in full view of witnesses in a place that can trace his purchases.
2: I just really enjoy that he is obviously judging David for being a huge dick while making the most sus purchases ever. Like. <laughs> i might be off to potentially commit murder but at least i'm not running around my wife like some people
1: david it's true it's so good he's just casually buying duct tape and rope and just judging the heck out of david mm-hmm. and it's, it's just so like good. Mm, I love mm.
2: it. i'm taking my murder <laughs> apparatuses you get your life right <laughs> i'm getting my shit
0: together don't you judge me don't you judge me david you need to get your shit in order so that this fucking curse can be broken and i can just go back to being and having magic and get my fucking way. Ah! Yeah. You know, like, he, I swear to God that Mr. Gold is just, he is just like, like one more David Nolan fuck up away from just like killing everyone in this <laughs> town.
2: <laughs> at the very least from hitting David repeatedly with his cane while screaming, get your life right I'm so tired. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> and like, none of us would blame him at this point. David's exhausted. <laughs>
0: yeah. Mr. Gold has brought Mo to a cabin and says he doesn't normally let people get away. (gasps) Wait, does that cabin seem familiar to you? Could it be? Yes, it is, audience. It is the cabin from two episodes ago. Mr.
1: Gold is our secret snowing shipper. When you use romance, it could also be used for murder because Mr. Gold has a murder cabin. (laughs) This is an episode of Hannibal. We've been right. we've been right all along. Call Will Graham. I guess Belle is Will Graham in this situation. Uh, can you imagine though will graham and fucking
0: emma like running the fucking like police show <laughs>
2: jesus things I, would have turned out better for will graham if he'd had an emma i'm just putting it out yeah oh wait just, his, last gonna, yeah.
0: his last name is oh, graham um,
1: his last name is i just hurt myself oh, oh. But yeah will's life would have been way better it if he had an emma she would have just punched everyone trying to use will
2: she yeah. would have found she would have gotten wind of hannibal and she would have been like oh hell no and she would have probably shot him in the second episode
1: yeah <laughs> yeah because she's not gonna like
0: covert like whatever she was doing and like with uh fucking inspector gadget sydney no. last last yeah. episode she just would have shot him she just would have yeah. been like fuck Shoot
2: now, questions later. Yeah, shoot about, like, this man is a murderer and he is clearly using you.
1: And I'm very attached to him. His name is Graham. <laughs> he has all these dogs. Dogs and wolves are kind of the same. I don't know got to protect, protect him. boy. So <laughs> has the
0: softest,
2: curliest hair, and I love he it. He does. He's I still so love Hugh Dancy.
0: That is Hugh, love Dancy right? that, is that is Hugh Hugh Dancy, right? That is Hugh Dancy. Yeah, I love Hugh Dancy so much. Soft,
2: soft, damaged Hugh Dancy. Mm-hmm. I love him. Claire Danes is a lucky, lucky one.
0: <laughs> it's a i mean
2: very, that's the very cutest damn couple. couple let's be real yeah <laughs> they are super cute that's the cutest damn couple
0: look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do i even say other than hey <sighs> well that's why they're introducing an all-new bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Belle is walking through the forest when the queen's procession comes along, stopping alongside Belle. The queen decides to walk
2: with Belle for a stretch. This is the most spirit Halloween outfit Regina wears, and I do oh. not get it at all. I love feel like outfit. vampire queen. I
1: hate it. She's a vampire queen. That's why I love, love it. her hair. Uh, I didn't
2: notice her hair. Oh, you didn't notice her <laughs> weird Rufio knockoff hair? Oh, yeah. No, it's got like a weird like
0: red streak in it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but it's like You're also... Not- over teased and like strangely shaped it's a bad halloween wig i like the outfit because i like it. the i like the collar the collar's good the undershirt is not fitted and the skirt hangs weirdly
1: okay. <laughs> empire queen My um and also-
2: seamstress is coming out right now. <laughs> darts okay it
1: means darts and <laughs> it should darts, darts yeah.
2: or yeah. something because it does not hang correctly, that skirt does not hang correctly. Yeah, they—they've
0: a couple. I think things. I was just distracted by all the brocade and the and the. Blood the, blood. Collar yeah. the
2: collar is good. I will give the you collar really the collar. Good. I will give you the collar.
1: They don't always have the costumes fitted right on the show, specifically on Lana. We've seen it a few times on Lana that her fits have been weird sometimes.
2: Like this, very much looks like it was originally intended for someone who was like of a larger and taller stature than her and they at the last minute were like uh no you'll do and crammed her on it because it does not fit
1: she's small elisa knows she's better she's i mean was taller than me definitely taller than me i'm 5'1 i'm very she's short beautiful. but she was very small but i got to fist bump her it's a good moment <laughs> nice but yeah i do have to say about this scene i was really grateful that we get to be in this beautiful forest so we could have a break from all the cgi castles yeah. Um. Cause Bruce. it's just, oh, it's once again, it's such a shame. I know it's, I know it's a budget reason. I know they had to do, and it's a quick and dirty fix to these lavish fantasy locations. But, uh oh, I this just has more things happen in the forest, then. Yeah. These shots, like here, like these shots of Belle and Regina are are beautiful in the forest. Really nice.
0: So Regina probes a bit and determines that Belle is running from a master and lover. Belle admits she might love her employer, but something evil has taken root in him. The queen says that it sounds like a curse, revealing that a kiss born of true love could break it. Yet another scene that got truncated due to time, which makes me a touch sad because I think there was some important dialogue, albeit a bit heavy handed with the whole beast allegory. When Regina says, but no kiss happened, she also goes on to say, which is a shame because it's possible that there is a good man there and it's the curse that is the beast. And Belle interprets that as the curse aka Beast having both her and Rumpelstiltskin captive. Also, it keeps me up at night, it really truly does, wondering how the fuck did Regina even know about Belle if all the mirrors were covered? If this effort gets explored in later seasons, I can die happy, but I am not lying when I say this is a huge plot hole mystery that sincerely bothers me. And this, like, me reading the script did not explain it at all. And. There is a lot of plot hole, retcon, character assassination levels of bullshit in this show to keep me up at night. <sighs> and this is like number one. Secondly, look, I'm a card carrying member of the Rumbel fandom, but I hate that Bell's all. I could love him wishy-washy when we all know she is tits over ass for him. Like, just
1: blarg, I say, blarg! Maybe she knows about Belle because Belle's father was just like there's a beast he stole my daughter and like running to all these people for help and we went to like a fellow kingdom and went to the evil queen and was all like my daughter was taken and then she was like oh who by who and then he was like still skin and she was like oh haha i have one on you now i mean if if it if is following
2: gaming. the game, disney movie then yeah i i could definitely see that you know i hadn't thought of dream to the high heavens about it yeah i okay
1: that makes a lot <laughs> of sense you know he loves his daughter and maybe that the you know the danger has passed he would go to other kingdoms to be like hey you know and gaston's missing right hey I, you know this evil guy has my daughter i need help to get her back well could be there could have gone to good old queen regina maybe Deep. they
2: essentially had the tavern scene except it was regina in place of gaston doing the slow down old man who has
1: bell <laughs> god i yeah. wish we had that <laughs> we yeah would, know, like, I, like I would you,
2: like, like, like pay so much money to see lana do that <laughs> <laughs>
0: it'd be really good and and the thing about this is that bell doesn't know who she is she doesn't know who queen regina is or or what she looks like you know or at least you know she just thinks that you know she's like oh this mysterious rich
2: gothic lady on, mm-hmm. <laughs> on the road stop she's, me never met a goth before but yeah she uh, but yeah okay
0: well that makes sense and i'm gonna have to headcanon it for the time being because i truly don't know if they ever explore it they might in, in later episodes that i just didn't get to because i do know that they go back to this kind of like yeah, at some we, point. Yeah,
1: we get more flashbacks in the title of this storyline.
0: Yeah, so yeah. that might happen, but until until I have concrete knowledge, I just, you know, I just don't know.
2: I think um, it's as good as an explanation of it as anything, honestly. Yeah, true.
0: That evening, we see Rumpelstiltskin staring out of a window high in the tower where his workroom sits. Spying something outside, a spark of hope ignites in his eyes as he dashes off downstairs. With her basket full of straw, Belle returns to the great room where Rumpelstiltskin sits at his spinning wheel and pretends not to have noticed the passage of time. Rumpel is fooling no bitch though. And as Belle teases, come on, you're happy I'm back, admits that he's not unhappy. These two are so stupid for each other, I love it. Belle takes her place close to Rumpelstiltskin to hear the story about his son. He says he lost his son and there's nothing more to tell really. Belle surmises that since that time, Rumpel has loved no one and no one has loved him. Leaning close to her, Rumple asks Belle why she came back. Belle admits that she wasn't going to, but then something changed her mind. Belle gently closes the distance between them and kisses him. After a beat, Rumple Stiltskin returns the kiss, and to quote the description in the script itself, some fucking magic fucking happens.
2: <laughs> Delightful.
0: The- <laughs> <laughs> the dark curse begins to crackle and slip away from Rumble Stilt skin. Two idiots in love but won't have a proper conversation is rarely a trope I go for because the lack of emotional maturity gets under my skin, but I've always Made a pass for Rumbel. The fact that Rumpelstiltskin kept evading Bell's genuine interest in him is the reason why Bell had to get Sneaky Curse Breaking Kiss in. Like, it doesn't sit right with me that there's a part of their first kiss that I cannot enjoy. And do not at me, rumbellers or take away my bell card. We know Rumpelstiltskin has a long journey ahead of him, but I'm speaking too soon. Continuing on. Giddily, Belle makes to embrace him, urging Rumpel to kiss her again, adding, Any curse can be broken. The sweet moment is instantly over as Rumpelstiltskin leaps back, his curse intact as he aims an accusing finger at her, demanding to know who gave Belle this information. As Belle stammers to respond, unsure of Regina's identity, Rumpelstiltskin sees his hand, still the color of human flesh, and marches over to the mirror, pulling down the drape from its surface. He shouts at an unseen Regina, thinking the queen has aimed to turn Belle against him
2: anyone who doesn't know about regina's whole mirror thing is going to think you've lost your freaking mind yelling at yourself in the mirror and saying <laughs> you're talking to the queen you'd be like who who, who who's the queen rumple is, is is she here is it you am i am i talking to the queen right now is she in the room <laughs> <laughs> because he just looks in the mirror and he's just like the queen, the queen! <laughs> like i know oh just, okay yeah okay. No. Is it you, Ralph?
0: Or are you the queen? <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Enraged, he turns his fury on Belle, who is bewildered why he doesn't believe their kiss was one of true love, saying, Because no one, no one can ever love me. He tosses her back in the dungeon. You unimaginable blockhead. What is wrong with you? That kiss had to be born of true love because it worked. It means she loves you. True love's kiss is not a one-way street. Love has to be in the other person's heart for it to work. And you know that. I just uh, I want to blame the writers. I really do. But Rumble Stillskin really is just this much of a fucking self-loathing idiot. And he has no one to blame like all he had to all he had to do was explain about bay all he had to do was tell her the story and how he acquired the dark curse and and why and a balefire and bell being the reasonable logical level-headed girl that she is would have been like oh my gosh that's really hard for you Like, she would have totally understood. Oh, yeah, he has to keep this curse in order to, you know, do this. Hey, I like books. Let's start reading books. Let me start researching. It's just that, you know, he's been walking against the wind, you know, for a few hundred years now. So,
1: I don't fucking, I'm just, you're a fucking
0: idiot, Rumpelstiltson.
1: Yeah, he is a self-sabotager. Oh, hardcore. He is a self-sabotager. Hardcore. He needs...
0: He needs some hardcore therapy. And I mean beyond Archie. He is beyond Archie.
2: Yeah. Archie can only do so much. <laughs> Archie can only do so much, <laughs> exactly.
0: Back in the murder cabin in Storybrooke, <laughs> Mo wants to explain, but Rumple chokes the man by pressing the end of his cane into the floor's throat. He says he wants to know where it is and who told him to take it. Mo says he needed his van. Mr. Gold beats him with a heavy handle of his cane and the man says, it wasn't my fault triggers Mr. Gold into a full-blown rage as he continues to beat the man saying, you shut her out. You had her love and you shut her out. She's gone forever. She's not coming back and it's your fault, not mine. You are her father. Honestly, I think this scene disturbs me more than Rumpelstiltskin going into rage mode on Belle. And throwing her into the dungeon again because the line, she's gone forever and she's not coming back, is like a bucket of ice water to the gut, like no matter how many times I have seen this episode. We then flash to Rumpelstiltskin in full berserker rage quick mode, smashing everything in the great room of the dark castle with his old walking stick from before the curse. Then we flash quickly back to the cabin where Emma has arrived on the scene, grabbing Mr. Cold's cane and demanding him to stop. I should note here that Emma knew to come to the cabin through a series of cut scenes, first with David in the pharmacy and then with Mr. Dove. Also, they had to edit Gold beating the crap out of Mo because it was looking more like an episode of The Sopranos than a family-friendly network show.
1: It's pretty brutal. It's pretty brutal. Like, this is an episode of Hannibal, man. Mr. Gold is going to kill that man He's going to shove that cane down his throat, and then Will Graham's going to walk in here and be like, this is my design, and figure it all out.
2: And look really cute while he's doing
1: and it. And look very cute dancing. while doing it.
0: Clashing back again to Rumble's destruction of things in his castle, the tea service and crockery meet a violent end as he smashes them against the wall piece by piece until he reaches the chipped cup. He pauses, contemplates it before placing it on the table and walking away meanwhile at the rabbit hole in storybrook for girls night or galentine's day boy. <laughs> ashley tells mary margaret she needs a be at home with my guy night it's called date night ashley Ugh, yeah but she dumb i know <laughs> she's wearing taupe and it just makes me sad i do to
2: start with what makes me sad about <laughs> <Ashley>. <laughs> well, <Ash.
0: laughs> She is at home with the baby all day while Sean is constantly working. Mary Margaret says she understands. Being in love with someone you can't be with is a terrible burden. Suddenly, Sean shows up at the bar, taking a break from work. Gives Ashley a bouquet of roses before getting down on one knee to ask Ashley to marry him. She says yes, and everyone cheers.
2: Hooray, Ashley, your 15-year-old child bride is here. It was nice of him to stop playing Fortnite for this.
1: (laughs) he's our favorite twitch streamer but like who would have thought that that good old prince thomas here yeah. is like the one man to not be disappointing at one point in this episode That's it's true. a major plot
2: thought? twist that major is that twist. is a plot twist yeah. <laughs> major plot twist the 15 year old is the non-disappointing man in this episode yeah that was that
0: was a that, that was a very nice bouquet of roses that he gave to her and that was
1: a that was a nice ring yeah, and he had to work, but it was kind of cute that he's like, "I've got a break, and I ran here to to do this." Like I was like, "All right, all right, all right, you got, me kid. You got uh, me, kid." Although I
0: do, I do have to say, like, you know, he's like, "I got you know, fifteen minutes left. If you want to go for a ride, it's not much for a date." She's like, "It's the best date," and I'm like, "Ew," you know, because
2: their like, bar is super oh no. low. The bar is super low. <laughs> I at didn't this even point. put that together. I know, sweetheart. Oh, <laughs> <Aww. laughs> I didn't. I wish I didn't i mean they're teenagers yeah that's true yeah
0: after ashley leaves mary margaret stands outside as david pops in and says how's girls night he then gives her a valentine's card she opens it and it reads "Catherine, i woof
2: you god fucking damn it david mary margaret deserves better than this
1: david you big fucking tool i i shouldn't i
2: i I didn't write it in the
0: description i'm gonna go ahead and tell you guys this there was a a, like a massively cut scene right so he followed the girls to girls night and he was actually in the bar no yeah and archie grabs him and like pulls him into like his booth and you know he he figures out fairly easily i think what's going on and stuff so archie's like kind of ca- semi counseling him and stuff and but also kind of like this is my off
1: hours you know as well
2: poor archie yeah archie
1: well Archie gross, doesn't have
2: off hours
1: but i'm also sad we get more of archie because i miss archie we haven't seen him for like four episodes he's been yeah. gone
2: forever yeah
0: he's been gone for a while it's really sad that they keep yeah cutting his up uh, his uh scenes so yeah, so David had actually followed them and was like there like, covertly gross. watching. Right, I'm kind of glad know. they did cut that. Yeah. From-
2: <laughs> that makes it even creepier then, because like when he shows up, Mary Margaret's like, "Are you checking up on me?" And he's like, "Kinda." So then it's like kinda. even creepier if it's like, yeah. "I've only been following you for the last three hours." <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah because because Mary Margaret does go with Ruby over to Billy and like the rest of those guys and like talk because that's like when we see her. Join Ashley, who's like, you know, being kind of like mopey face, you know, at the start of like this scene, like going like, I should have a, you know, guy home at night with, I don't know, fucking date night with her man. <laughs> I can't even remember what she said because it was so stupid. But you know, terrible. like it was like Mary Margaret coming back to the table, and she was like, mm-hmm. you know, talking with those guys and stuff. And that doesn't mean that she was like, you know, into them or flirting. But you know, of course, Dave is like looking over there, being like, oh,
2: you me? know, like he's not fucking married.
0: Yeah. right uh, and I, think he, uh, I think he like rationalizes that on his own you know like he's like oh i shouldn't be you know i'm you know yeah i don't know i'd have to look at the script again i don't want to though my eyes are going crossed
2: <laughs> i don't i don't know i stand I just disappointed with
0: him and his life choices yeah oh so,
2: for sure i stand by my statement that i made i don't know three episodes ago at this point where it's like charming is the best charming is the best and i love him but at this point in the show storybook david i can't he makes yeah. me angry and i want to kick his ass yeah yeah would
1: charming, charming would never charming would never charming and would mary never.
2: margaret deserves better
1: yes all right it's
2: too good well, for this place back to this scene so that way i can get it the fuck over with <laughs> oh, I hate this fair it's it's bad and rough so let's get yeah. through it
0: david apologizes and tries to hand her the other card uh, uh, dejected mary margaret tells him that she (laughs) i just had a thought popping my head i just said sorry it's not for you it's for your sister wife
2: (laughs) i mean that's pretty much what he does (laughs) well and she's from the show big love she's from big love
0: (laughs) so there you go anyway (laughs) dejected mary margaret tells him that she used to believe that if two people were meant to be together they would always find a way but if this is their way they need to find another one She advises him to go home to Catherine. David vows he is not going to give up and they will find a way. Then he fucks off back to his wife. This poor woman is trying to hold on to dignity and this dillhole is just making it into a double dare obstacle course for her every fucking time. What happened to tomorrow, David? Huh? That was like weeks ago
1: now. You know what? Go woof yourself, chump. Like... David, if you want to be with her, there is a thing you can do. It's called actually leave your wife. Like, if you don't want to be with your wife, don't. It's so frustrating. He's being so scummy. Like, does divorce not <sighs> exist
2: in Storybrook or what?
0: As the paramedics wheel Mo into the back of the ambulance, Emma tells Mr. Gold that he is lucky he did not break anything Mo needs. Mr. Gold says she has a funny definition of lucky to which Emma retorts that Mr. Gold has a funny definition of justice. Emma asks who Mr. Gold was talking about when he was telling Mo he quote hurt her and what happened to her. Mr. Gold refuses to cooperate and makes to leave but Emma arrests him. I want to
2: add that I do find it deeply hilarious that he is shocked that she's arresting him. (laughs) Like she didn't just walk in on him assaulting a <laughs> man, and like she isn't the goddamn cops. <laughs>
0: like like I think, I think because like mentally he's all Rumble still skin right now.
2: Oh, for sure, but it's just and he's like he's like funny. goes the fuck off,
0: and then yeah, then it, but then and like, she's it's, like, like, "Bitch, you're under arrest," and he's like, oh, I, "I'm what?
2: <laughs> I'm what now?" me right. and,
0: but then like the last minute he's like oh right oh
2: right oh that's right oh, that's i right. did we're, break the law we're, we're you playing you this go game? To jail for no. this
0: yeah we're playing this game i forgot i forgot that's right and was oh, yeah. just
2: like motherfucker what is your problem? <laughs> it's
0: like oh yes i'm sorry i'm it's like oh i'm sorry i was miles away
2: <laughs> like fucking literally
0: <laughs> back in the past an eerily calm rumpelstiltskin enters bell's dungeon cell and tells her to go He turns away from her and says he doesn't want her anymore. She gets up to leave, but stops and tells him he could have been free and happy if he had just believed someone could want him. He denies it. She calls him a coward, but he claims his power means more to him than she does. She sees right through his translucent bullshit, saying he doesn't think Belle could love him. She tells him he's going to regret his choice, and all he'll have is an empty
2: heart and a chipped cut.
0: I cry you dumb piece of shit.
2: This episode should just be called Men Being Disappointing.
1: I am really glad that Belle tells him off here and just tells him like it is because this poor gal, this poor gal.
0: The next day in Storybrooke at the station, Emma tells an incarcerated Mr. Gold that she still owes him a favor. She offers half of her pastrami sandwich. Scoffing, Mr. Gold says that when he does decide to redeem the favor, it'll be more for a half a sandwich. Regina shows up with Henry and tells Emma she can have 30 minutes with Henry in exchange for a word with Mr. Gold. Emma takes it and leaves with Henry. I think it's so cute that Mr. Gold is like, bring me back a cone." Like, I know I go on a lot about Gold and Emma, but this really gets overlooked a lot in the fandom. And I think they have something special in season one. Even here, that convivial way he delivers that line is almost like, there are no hard feelings on my end, Emma. I am going through a thing and you're just doing your job. Go be with Henry because that's important. Even if it does, trap me with this bitch.
2: Also, Henry is just so fucking cute in this scene because he just comes up and she's like, hi, Emma. And you can see Emma's whole face journey before she's just like, fine, you son of a bitch, you have a deal and walks off with him.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's adorable. <laughs> Emma's just like, I see you bribing me with Henry Regina, but damn, I can't say no to this little face. You got yourself a deal. And I love that Mr. Gold, who
0: is has been actively avoiding Regina for weeks now, he's not going to like- he doesn't even protest
1: no he's like no you have this he's been like
2: the biggest cheerleader for emma go spend time with your boys since this thing started yeah like he's not gonna get in the way of her getting an opportunity to spend time and i
0: love him for that i really do it's very sweet regina finally has mr gold as her captive audience he still flexes his caveat telling her to please sit forcing regina to take a seat just outside of his cell Mr. Gold says when two people both want something the other has, a deal can always be struck. He asks Regina if she has what he wants, which she affirms. Mr. Gold is nearly buzzing with anticipation for this mysterious possession. When he asks Regina what she wants, she requests him to answer one question and to answer it simply. What is your name? He claims it's Mr. Gold. Every moment I've spent on this earth, that's been my name. Regina says if he wants to return, what is his? He will tell her his real name. His expression changes to a familiar smirk to choke out one word, Rumpelstiltskin. Ah, the transformation from the grouchy, misanthropic Mr. Gold to the manic, all-knowing gleam of Rumpelstiltskin is pure fucking genius of Robert Carlyle. What a goddamn gift he is to this role and to us. (laughs) Pleased with herself, Regina pulls a chipped teacup from her purse and mocks Mr. Gold for it as she hands it to him through the bars, referring to the cup as a sentimental keepsake. Thank you, your majesty, he sneers as he takes the precious teacup, relieved to have it back in his possession. Mr. Gold warns Regina he really has the power at Storybrooke and nothing between them will change. We shall see, she says
2: these two have such bad breakup exes energy it's fucking wild yeah it's fucking wild considering yes. the real past mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you don't know you're just are like what's the story here you guys banged didn't you ah! Ah! <laughs> oh god that hurt my
0: stomach oh oh god i threw up a little okay <laughs> back in the enchanted forest the queen shows up at the dark castle and says she has a request concerning a mermaid.
2: Regina's hair is doing something here I'm very concerned about. She looks like the bad monochrome art you'd see in the 80s at her salons.
1: She has some hair this episode. It's I love good. a
2: Pete Nagel art, damn it. It's what she, You know what I mean. It's what she looks like. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And I was like, What? What year are you trying to make this be exactly? I
0: was, again, I was way too distracted by gorgeous black brocade.
2: Oh no, her outfit oh, is outfit's gorgeous. good in this oh, scene. Yeah, See, it's, this outfit is good. It's banging. only the hair with yeah. which I take issue because it is some 80s ass hair.
0: Rumpelstiltskin isn't dealing today and doesn't want to talk. The queen asks if he's angry with her. He says her little deception failed and she'll never be more powerful than him. He tells her she can keep trying, but she's never gonna beat him. She asks if it's about that little girl I met on the road. She cannot even remember the maid's name. When he says her name was Belle, the queen tells Rumble that she had nothing to do with that tragedy. Tensely, he asks, what tragedy? The queen explains after Belle returned home, her fiance was missing, and due to her association with Rumpelstiltskin, no one else wanted her. Her father shunned her and shut her out. A tiny spark of hope flares in Rumpel as he guesses Belle is in need of a home. Regina laughs at Rumpel's weakness for Belle, further explaining that Maurice locked his daughter in a tower and had her cleansed by clerics with scourges and flaying. She claims Belle threw herself off the tower and died. Shocked, Rumpel Stiltskin orders Regina to leave. On her way out, the queen notes that the place is getting dusty and that he should get a new girl. Get the fuck out of my house! Rage! Rumpelstiltskin takes the chipped cup out of its place in the built-in hutch and places the delicate thing on a pedestal reserved for the most prized pieces in his collection before he begins to sob. Back in Storybrooke, Regina goes into a special access area of the Storybrooke General Hospital and heads downstairs. She hands a nurse a rose and asks, has anyone been in to see her?
2: This is a big gay power move, Regina, and I love it. I
1: know. I thought that too. I was like, "Oh, so smooth, Regina. Are you? Are you? Are you doing a thing? Right? Are like I was just like, oh, oh. I think,
0: <laughs> I think it's especially funny because you know that that nurse is supposed to be Nurse Ratchet from One Flew Over mm-hmm. the Cuckoo's yes. Nest, and you know they just came out like last year with that Nurse Ratchet TV show where they made her a lesbian. So it's hey, in
2: which she is gay as hell, In which she is gay as hell. <laughs> Uh, so there I you just, go. I love it because I love the woman's just like, oh, oh what's this for? And Regina's like, I know how hard you work. Wink. And it's like, oh, <laughs> I oh, know. Oh. <laughs> I know, man. We're... Big gay power move. <laughs> I
0: know. Why can't I find like a big gay power move, lesbian I don't... wife? I want a wife. <laughs> I want a wife who gives me a rose because she knows how hard I work. And by work, I mean, of course, you know, cooking dinner and being a
2: housewife. I mean, it's. it's... Pretty awesome. Shut
0: up. <laughs> How dare you rub your fucking fairy tale love in my face?
2: Sorry. All right. Okay. Here we go. We saw we.
0: The nurse tells Regina not today, not ever. Regina goes down a creepy hallway, opens a small slot in a door, and looks inside, where we see Belle. Locked up in a lonely cell as Regina peers smugly and creepily through the slot in the door. End credits. Regina, here are <laughs> Until I know exactly how you even knew about Belle, I just cannot get over this. Flames on the side of my face, breathing, raging, full Madeline con mode.
2: Ugh, okay. But we discussed it. It was crazy old Maurice.
1: That's crazy, true. That's, that's true. Crazy, <laughs> crazy old, old Maurice. Maurice.
0: It is. You know, I'm just going to blame him cuz fuck him. Yeah, fuck no him. one
1: prosecutes harmless crackpots like Regina. <laughs> like <Yeah>. Regina does. <laughs>
0: uh so I guess I guess instead of Gaston, because Regina is three syllables, they would be the Queen. Yeah, the Queen. queen. The Queen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, someone write it. Okay, so this is obviously a well-beloved episode, not only for the Rumblers within the fans, but the cast as well. Robert Carlyle and Emily DeRobin have both stated how incredibly proud they are of this work, like not just in the context of Once Upon a Time, but in their respective television careers. Also, they never fail to give a shout out to the fans and their characters and each other every February 12th. The anniversary of skin deep's air date so very cute it's very cute and they are just as hardcore shippers as the fans are so my hats off to them because they really made it work
1: now this is this is the episode that i know really did draw in a bunch of new once upon the time fan um i i think this is what really sparked the fandom especially for a fandom that had kind of disappeared a little bit um because everyone was pretty down in the dumps uh, understandably so after graham's death like i I remember being, you know, Tumblr during this time period and just seeing blow up with with everyone excited about this ship and 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 this is an example of when this show gets their whole like, what a twist, but you weren't expecting that vibe actually right. Like it, it did, it sailed like a thousand ships. Like they definitely had chemistry. And and even though during the you know, every so often there's times but I just want to yell like run, bell, run. Like I, I think this this works really well. And I've talked before about how I'm usually not a fan of this plot device that once upon a time does over and over again of this character is also this character too. But this is one of the few examples that actually really works for me. The Beast himself in in various different lore has always been a grey character. He's not (laughs) been the best guy. So Rumpelstiltskin's role as him makes sense. I feel like in some ways he's even tamer than a lot of other portrayals we've seen of the Beast in the past. So it makes sense that, you know, they fall for each other it feels natural, but that said, Lynn was right when she said that this episode could be called Disappointing Men, because uh, the men, they do indeed- disappoint in this one except for prince thomas surprisingly so good on you prince thomas but overall i i'm let to go for
2: the win <laughs>
1: i know but yeah this this is a, this is a good one i get it i i get that this is this is the one that i think reignited a lot of love for once upon a time fans it brought in new fans it brought in it gave some fans like something new to root for um because i think this is this is a rough time for the show um graham graham's gone and like we've talked about on um, the past few episodes now david is not charming right now and he's not making good choices and it's also hard august to...
2: has been introduced
1: august yeah been introduced. they it's... they needed
0: to launch another ship like and bring in another dynamic because because yeah. snowing right now is hitting some bumpy rocks i mean and we know that i mean we're confident that you know they'll
2: be okay but that doesn't mean it isn't just like fucking hard to watch yeah audience. exactly It's, it's, right it's, it's yeah. you know it's hard to watch exactly this man basically just actively ruined this woman's life
1: right yeah, so we needed we needed this 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 new romance this bit of romance with any beating the beast tale you're like oh girl <laughs> i don't know if this is a great situation um but i think they do a good job of of having Belle, you know show 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 her strength and show her strength of character she does doesn't really let herself be controlled by him and plays well against him um so I like that yeah
0: (laughs) so according to Jane Espenson the episode was originally going to be about Rumpelstiltskin intentionally choosing power over love but it evolved into becoming about his deeply rooted insecurities that that no one can love him so and and what all three of us know is insecurities I don't want to say like they're not all insecurities usually stem from like a-, a grain of truth, you know, or like a grain of, you know, a, like a, like a, like a trigger point, you know, yeah. you know, trauma of some sort or, you know, whatever that trauma is.
1: Yeah. Without yes. giving you the big setup up for why Rumpelstiltskin would feel this way.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, did he overreact? Yes. I would say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would, because like, as I said, all this fucking moron had to do was be transparent to Belle. Like he, you know, he underestimates her intelligence and doesn't trust her, you know, to have empathy for his situation, you know, because he does not have love for himself um, or empathy for himself. You know, he does not, he does not exhibit self-compassion. He doesn't think then that he is worthy of it. Had he told Belle his whole story, Probably not like you know all the details but you know just like the, the balefire stuff and why he has like this dark curse and stuff you know he could be like you know I, I get it like you love me and i love you but we can't like we can't do this kind of thing
1: yeah, that's a that's a I feel like a trope just not only gets used often once upon a time, I, often in basically every TV. Oh show my goes, god, every every just,
0: TV show, just book, communicate. <laughs> just communicate, right? It, like right, the lack of emotional intelligence. Yeah, and it's a trope that like it, like I said it. It normally gets under my skin. I don't write that way and I don't and I don't like reading that kind of shit. I don't like, you know, taking that kind of crap because I usually just like, oh my God, fucking asshole. Just fucking talk to the person. But for them it works because it's just, you know, I mean, and it goes into the whole beauty and the beast dynamic as well. And I don't know. It's okay. I can still vent <laughs> about it, but I'll I give it a pass. All right. Um, I'm gonna go ahead with my fun facts and then we'll We'll do costumes. All right. right. So the house used for Mr. Gold's house is the Charles Murray Residence. It's a historic building in New Westminster. Um, It is a Queen Anne Revival-style mansion constructed in 1890 for a local designer and artist. The scythe we only glimpse on a pedestal in the Dark Castle is based on the Slayer scythe from Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
2: Nice. Yeah. That's a nice nod. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, hey, Jane, we see you. love that you're
0: writing this episode here we go (laughs) other relics we see but aren't specifically named here are the holy grail excalibur cupid's bow wonder woman's golden lasso and other stuff i can't mention because spoilers all right so costumes it always makes me shake my head and wonder why the first outfit we see bell in is her yellow ball gown like maybe there's a specific reason for this that i get to know because we get a flashback to that but my only guess is to be a visual indicator that this is supposed to be bell that was um, my
2: best guess too. Yeah. honestly is that they just wanted to be like look it's
1: bell it's bell
2: it's, Belle. it's Belle. You're confused tell by her yellow dress
1: because she's fancy she's not supposed to be fancy yet but it's bell
2: yeah <laughs>
0: So uh, Belle's blue outfit, on the other hand, is my favorite rendition of this classic Belle outfit. I love it and I want it. I got to throw some money at someone and get that outfit made and then make Ariana be my rumple. <laughs> <laughs> also, that lovely traveling cape is divine. And her shoes are from my favorite shoe brand, Fluvog. Oh, I don't know what those shoes are. Yeah. I, I I I challenge you both to go onto the Fluvog website and no, not
2: no, I'm poor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still don't own a pair. They're not like Louis Vuitton, but you know, they're not keds.
1: I love Belle's blue outfit um her traveling cape as well that's like green tones uh looks gorgeous looks gorgeous in that green forest background um but Belle overall is usually really pretty costume wise for most most of the shows, she gets really lucky costume department wise I think they usually do wardrobes absolutely she has a great wardrobe
0: can always looks lickably magically delicious I mean those tight leather trousers it's no wonder why Belle fell for him but we see him in his signature rich earthy browns and deep gold and reds in this episode um, and then of course Mr. Gold is in his signature sexy black. So there you
1: go. I'm not thirsty for Rumpelstiltskin like Chell. It's it's her man and, and we all respect that but I do really like <laughs> that red waistcoat blouse combo we talked about earlier. I think it looks great on him. Um, it's it's one of my favorite Rumpelstiltskin costume pieces. I just think it's it's really nice and it's really soft um it's a good look. It makes them very dashing. For me, Regina looks super hot and I just want all of that black brocade in my wardrobe.
0: And I hate that. I love how hot she is because she was yet again pissing me off in this episode. (laughs) They always distract me with her hotness.
1: They do. I like that Queen Regina's purple coat actually makes an appearance again in this episode. Although it looks black, um, because of the coloring in the CG castle, but it's actually the same undercoat as as um, True North, so it's really it? interesting. Yeah, it's the same. I undercoat. didn't even the, notice. And you can see how the color shifts in these CG environments, because uh, things, costume pieces will read completely different, but they'll be the same ah, piece.
2: Yeah, um,
1: yeah, it's really interesting. Those really muted tones um, in the CG. Yeah, scenes. I didn't
0: even. I, I saw your note, and I was like, oh, wow, really. <laughs> yeah
1: but it's a it's such a great look it's a fantastic silhouette you know, the hair is not as good <laughs> in this episode as it, nope. as it was last time she wore it but but overall still she still looks amazing um and Ruby looks great as always um Ashley wore taupe and that's all I'm
0: gonna say um about that because I
2: hmm, I mean Ashley is kind of taupe yeah yeah, was yeah, toped yeah this it. person Yes. Yeah. Like yeah if her personality was a color it would be taupe so yeah. it's kind of fitting
1: <laughs> and i love the coat mary margaret wears um after her girl's night oh, uh when really david brings a little heart it's like a it's like a really deep really deep like magenta it's like um, a plum color and i didn't think it really fit
0: her like i was i mean not, i mean no no no, no excuse me the coat fit her perfectly because it's like princess themed like I like the cut yeah. and everything and I like it like on her but I was just like why are they throwing it wasn't that in her purple? color it's but not I, her
2: color I'm wondering if it's not the first time they've done it they put her in that purple prom dress that's true
1: I'm wondering if it's like oh she's wearing this color because she's you know she's yeah she's, I, that's she's what I was wondering mad. too that
0: that actually was like innocent. actually crossed my thought I crossed, yeah. crossed my thoughts oh my god Crossed my mind. I was like, I wonder if like she's in like this deep blue, which I mean the deep blue is a snow white color. They don't put her in the deep blue often but like that's part of like that specific kind of royal blue is sort of um, the traditional blue on the snow white outfit right wouldn't you say yeah. like the like the dress that she was yeah. wearing at, oh, at yeah. the rabbit hole and then the the plum i was kind of like confused by like it just threw me off but you're right i was like well mary margaret is off right now so mm-hmm. maybe her wardrobe then is sort of reflecting that yeah I mean, jennifer goodwin looks good and damn near everything so oh,
2: i know she's so cute it's stupid She's adorable beautiful.
1: Yeah, I like super cute on her. But yeah, it, you're right. I didn't go at the time, but like, it's not, it's not her normal color palette on the show. And they're very particular about her color palette in most, most circumstances. So yeah, I feel like it might be a, like a, she's, she's feeling off. Like she's my not who she wants to be right now.
2: Not with the coat, because I think you're right about the coat, but my assumption with the dark blue dress was that it was because it was David's color. Yeah. oh Oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. she's been wearing a lot of blue the last episode yeah because and blue and david has been really blue coated like every time you see david he's in blue yeah so i kind of my assumption was the the dark blue dress was because she's wearing david's color oh oh that hurt which is sad when you think about it because he's treating her like garbage and she has it so bad
1: that's sad
2: but you know it's not
1: sad once upon a time. <laughs> wow, good segue, babe. That was a bad one. Great, I love <laughs> Leave <that>. it. In. <laughs> so, so props, props to Chell. Helped me out on this one uh, to pinpoint a little more than I had it before. So, when we're looking at this episode compared to episodes one through eleven, we don't have too many grounding details for the exact placement of this episode's flashback. You know, when placing it in the greater timeline. But the one main detail that allows us to narrow down the placement of this episode is the fact that the evil queen is in power. With that knowledge, we can place this flashback sometime after King Leopold's death in episode 11, The Fruit of the Poisonous Trees flashback. And we can place it before episode 6, The Shepherd. Because the shepherd is the earliest flashback we have seen with Rumpelstiltskin drinking from his flask, nursing his broken heart. So with that context, we can place this episode between episode 11's flashbacks and episode six flashback, um, which episode 6 happening about two years before the curse. Thanks, Chell, for narrowing that down because I initially was all like, oh, before he's captured. But the key isn't the capturing. The key is actually the drinking from the flask. So, yes. Big shout out to
0: Sean, uh, Sergeant Max7 on Tumblr for not just purchasing the skin deep script for charity, but for graciously sharing it in PDF form with the public. Thank you so much. I used your, the script for a lot of references here. Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch, with their love for each other growing stronger, David finally agrees to tell Catherine about his relationship with Mary Margaret and put an end to his loveless marriage. Meanwhile, in the fairy tale land that was, while runaway groom Prince Charming searches for Snow White, he agrees to aid Abigail on a dangerous mission to recover something precious that was lost to her. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators Three. The moral of this episode is: men are disappointing. Sisters are doing it for themselves.
2: You can find us on anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch on Twitter. At Once Upon Rewatch and at Tumblr at OnceUponRewatch.tumblr.com
1: I want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro is Fairy Tale Waltz. And remember, all odd devices come with a price. Other relics we see, but aren't, but
0: that aren't specific.
2: Shut up. He has opinions. He will not be ignored.